When you uh, heard that song, who came to your mind? Who would you say thank you to? And who might say thank you to you? Maybe you've heard someone say at one time or another, I've got some good news and some bad news. Which do you want to hear first? Well, the prophet Ezekiel had some good news and some bad news, but he was not given the choice as to which order he would share it. Ezekiel prophesied to God's people while they were in Babylonian captivity. He had been carried away to Babylon in the initial siege of 597 B.C. The worst was yet to come. For the first several years of Ezekiel's ministry, he warned Judah about their continued disobedience before God. That's chapters 1 through 24. That's the phase that is where he marks out the bad news. Ezekiel told Judah that their wickedness would lead to even greater destruction than what they had already experienced. These words came to pass when Nebuchadnezzar ordered that the complete destruction of Jerusalem take place, including its sacred temple that Solomon had built in 2 Kings chapter 25. After this great devastation, Ezekiel's ministry as a prophet entered into a second phase. It was marked with good news. Instead of a message of judgment, he spoke about Israel's future hope. Ezekiel encouraged Israel to await its restoration as a nation and the restoration of its temple. And that plays out in chapters 33 to 48. At the end of a movie called A Few Good Men, Tom Cruise's character, Lieutenant Daniel Caffey, baits Colonel Nathan Jessup, played by Jack Nicholson, into a prideful confession. Colonel Jessup begins saying, son, we live in a world that has walls. And those walls need to be guarded by men with guns. Who's going to do it? You? I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. Our text from Ezekiel 3, which I read earlier, addresses such a great responsibility. Describing Ezekiel as a watchman on city walls is a military analogy. The watchmen were like a sentry ordered to stand on the wall surrounding the city. If that sentry saw impending danger, he must sound the alarm. He must warn everyone. It was the sentry's great responsibility to blow a trumpet or a horn or to call out loudly, do something that would awaken the rest of the inhabitants to the situation. Doing so was a matter of life and death. If the sentry performed his duty, if he gave prompt warning, whatever happened next was not his fault. 
But if he failed to raise the alarm, the sentry would bear responsibility for his own failure to warn them. That is the contextual analogy that the Lord sets before Ezekiel. Only the mission to which Ezekiel was called was not a military one. It was a spiritual one. In Ezekiel 3, verse 10, the prophet is instructed to listen for and to receive God's word. In Ezekiel 3, 16 to 21, the prophet is commanded to proclaim it. Israel had remained idolatrous even after the Lord sent an initial wave of discipline. And so God charges Ezekiel to say, get right with me. Get right with me before a sterner judgment comes. Regardless of how the people might respond, the emphasis of the text is on the great responsibility of Ezekiel to communicate God's message. The Lord instructed his spokesman to tell his people to seek safe shelter through repentance and obedience. In Ezekiel 2, verse 7, the Lord had commanded, You shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or whether they refuse. In other words, the person who sounds the alarm is supposed to warn people, even if they ignore her. When a tornado warning is issued, the meteorologists cannot force individuals to run to their basements. But she is still called to advise them to do so. Let me note here how our text equates this great responsibility in two areas. One, sharing God's message to unbelievers. And two, holding believers accountable to God's word when they go astray. My focus this morning is going to be on area number one. Failing to signal an alarm by falling asleep on the job or by remaining silent is a dereliction of one's duty. Again, it is a military analogy meant to stress the great responsibility that we bear. In the words of Colonel Jessup, and I'm actually taking this completely out of context from the movie, but nonetheless, he says, who's going to do it? You? I certainly hope so. In fact, I pray every believer who is in earshot, whether in this sanctuary or maybe watching online, has already connected the dots to the way God's commissioning of Ezekiel applies to our lives. All Christ followers have been tasked with a great commission. Jesus charges in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. In other words, Christ is telling his disciples to stand on the wall and sound the alarm. 
While it is true that Ezekiel responded to a special commission, and while it is true that vocational ministers respond to a special appointment to preach the full counsel of God, it is also very much true that the Great Commission applies to every single professing believer. Each and every Christ follower is tasked with bringing good tidings of good things. In some tropical countries, people suffer from a terrible disease called elephantiasis. It is an affliction that causes a person's skin to become thick and hard and fissured like an elephant's hide. The affected part of the person's body also becomes enormously enlarged. D.G. Barnhouse tells about a man who suffered from elephantiasis who heard the gospel presented by a missionary team. The man believed that message. He became a radiant Christian who wanted nothing more than to tell people about the love of Jesus Christ that had touched his life. This man lived in an African village and he determined to ensure that everyone who lived in his village would hear about Jesus. Although it was very painful for him to do so, he would walk on his elephant-sized leather-like legs until the message of salvation had been spread throughout his village. So he goes to the missionary and he says to him, I've shared the good news with everyone in our village, but there's a village I know that from my boyhood, before I was afflicted with this illness, that's about 10 to 12 miles away through the jungle. Do you know, have they yet heard about Jesus? He was encouraged by his family, those who cared for him, not to go. But day after day, he felt a greater burden for that village. And one day his family reported to the missionary team that he had disappeared early one morning. The story unfolds as thus. Step after weary step, the afflicted man dragged his leathery legs and gigantic feet along the path. The distant villagers said he arrived around noon, his feet terribly swollen and bruised. And up and down the village he went, telling each person he met that Jesus Christ had died on the cross for their sins and that he was raised in power to bring eternal life to all who believe. As the sun began to set, he started on his way back through the jungle path toward home. He arrived back around midnight his leg stumps wounded and bleeding. The missionary helped him to a medical bed. He was almost unconscious. Few say they had seen a frightful sight as what they saw of his bleeding elephant-like feet. 
And the medical missionary cleaned and dressed the man's wounds, his own tears falling into the ointment that he applied. That doctor said these words. And all my life, I do not know when my heart was more drawn out to another Christian believer. All I could think about was the verse in the Word of God from Romans 10 and verse 15. How beautiful, how beautiful are the feet of them who bring glad tidings of good things. This was a man who could not hold back the story of what Jesus Christ had done for him. This was a man who at great cost of of himself, of great personal pain, did not flinch at telling others the good news of salvation. And so it is each and every Christian is commissioned to go, therefore, We go, therefore, with the testimony of our lips, at the very least inviting others to come in to the sanctuary to hear the name of Jesus Christ proclaimed. We go, therefore, with the testimony of our lives, from how we walk to how we talk, from how we manage our money to how we manage our homes, from all the small details day to day where we can exemplify the life of Jesus Christ. We go, therefore, around the coffee maker at work or in the park with stay-at-home parents. On whatever wall God stations us, we go and we sound the alarm. Regardless of how, when, where, or to whom, our responsibility is to share Jesus. We don't know how people will respond. That's not our business. That's the Holy Spirit's business. Our business is to go, therefore. I will say the bad news comes first. Sin deserves condemnation and death. It is a message far worse than the average person believes who contends that he would go to heaven because he's been a pretty good person. But fortunately for us all, The good news is far greater than the average person realizes. Christ's death on the part of the sinner's behalf paid the price that our sin deserves. Go, therefore. He has delivered you. Don't others need to know about his love? Paul proclaims in Romans 5, 20 and 21, where sin abounded, grace super abounded. 
Paul concludes in 2 Timothy 2.19 that the Lord knows those who are his and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So again, let's not be those who are quick to pass judgment as to who might hear or who might not hear. The truth of the matter is there are those who have sat in church their entire lives who don't actually have a relationship with Jesus. Consider Luke eleven thirty nine. Now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward parts is full of greed and wickedness. And there are others outside the church walls living in a certain way that you might go, well, that person's never going to respond, never going to hear, never going to believe. I would waste, waste my time sharing a message with him or her. Oh, but how about Acts chapter 9 and the Apostle Paul, the one who was known to persecute and kill Christians, the one who says in 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Who in this sanctuary right now deserves God's favor on your own? Who? So who in here today needs Jesus? People need the Lord. Our responsibility is to love people enough to tell them about Jesus. Who have we shared the love of Christ with in the last week, the last month? Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.20, Now we are ambassadors of Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Go, therefore. Sound an alarm. There is an enemy about us. He doesn't just want people's lives. He wants their souls. Go, therefore. It's a matter of life and death that we would sound the alarm. Christ Jesus is Lord. I would ask you to pray with me that the Holy Spirit would use this body of believers to stand on the wall and tell people about Jesus. Pray with me. 
Christ, it is a great responsibility. It is a great commission. But if we are yours, it is our greatest mission and our greatest priority. Let us sound the alarm. Send us, I pray. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Our song of response this morning is, Here I am, Lord. If you are a believer, I pray it is a song of prayer for you today. If you are not yet right with Christ, I pray it is sounding an alarm that says, now is the day to get right with Christ. The author is open. Let's stand as we sing.